Hi, it's Michael Sinoff with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. I've teamed up with Chris Costello to bring you some of the world's best interviews on medical and health, mind, body, and spirit. The title of this interview is called How to Prevent Heart Disease Without Pills, Procedures, or Pricey Diet Plans. Heart disease can happen to anyone. In fact, it's the number one killer for both men and women. While scientists used to believe the disease was caused by clogged pipes, they now know plaques form in the arteries from lifestyle choices like fatty diets and lack of exercise. If one of those plaques becomes inflamed, it can rupture with little warning, causing a heart attack. So in this audio, you'll hear all about heart disease and the ways to prevent it from Dr. Osner, a cardiologist and author of The Great American Heart Hoax, life-saving advice your doctor should tell you about heart disease, but probably never will. According to Dr. Osner, there is hope for those of us who lead relatively sedentary, fast food lives. In fact, it's probably easier and less painful than you think to prevent heart disease and in this audio, you'll hear all about it. You'll also hear how switching to a Mediterranean diet is a delicious way to lower your risk of heart attack, stroke, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer, and Parkinson's, and how to do it. You'll learn how processed diet wreaks havoc on our bodies and the antidote that can help. You'll learn why Dr. Osner says that our government has let us down when it comes to labels and trans fats and how to become a label sleuth when you go to your supermarket. You'll learn how much exercise you really really need in order to stay healthy. Believe it or not, it's actually less than you probably think. You'll learn the forgotten risk factor in heart disease that rarely gets talked about and how to reduce it and much, much more. According to Dr. Osner, you don't need to bombard yourself with medications in order to lower your cholesterol and prevent heart disease. Simple lifestyle changes can be started today that will help you get you on the right track in this audio is a great first step. I hope you enjoy the interview. Now let's get going. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best health-related interviews. My dad used to tell me that making money is great, but being able to spend it in a healthy and vibrant manner makes your financial success that much sweeter. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health issues, send them over to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Michael Osner. Dr. Michael Osner is a pioneer in the field of preventative cardiology. He's medical director of wellness and prevention at Baptist Health in South Florida, one of the leading healthcare facilities in America, and medical director of the Cardiovascular Prevention Institute of Southern Florida. He is also the past chairman of the American Heart Association of Miami. Dr. Michael Osner has written The Great American Heart Hoax and The Miami Mediterranean Diet, Lose Weight and Lower Your Risk of Heart Disease. He is the recipient of the 2008 American Heart Association Humanitarian Award and has been recognized by the Consumer Council of America as one of the top physicians in America. Can you describe for our listeners what is heart disease? Well, heart disease, and in particular coronary heart disease, is the number one killer in the country, both for men and women. Because what we understand is that when people suffer heart attacks, and we should throw in strokes as well, and we put that under the heading of cardiovascular disease, it is from a disease which we call atherosclerosis. 
which is a buildup of cholesterol. And we used to think that it was simply a cholesterol storage disease, but kind of like we have plumbing pipes in our bodies collecting sludge, and then when the sludge becomes significant, it chokes off the artery and we have a heart attack. That was the old theory. We now understand that this is actually not what happens. We understand that this disease of atherosclerosis, which I liken to the atherosclerotic plaque to a pimple in the artery wall, is really an active inflammatory disease. And we've learned that over the past decade. Now we understand the mechanism by which these little pimples or atherosclerotic plaques rupture and lead to heart attacks. And really, to everybody's surprise, who hears this, it's not the 90% plaque or blockage that you really have to watch out for. It's the 1%, 5%, 10% plaque that suddenly ruptures because it's highly inflamed. And then when blood comes into contact with the plaque itself, we get a sudden and often catastrophic clot that then shuts down blood supply in the artery. The average person who has a heart attack has no prior warning, just like the average person who drops dead suddenly, what we call sudden cardiac death, has no prior warning because they have a small 10%, for instance, plaque that suddenly ruptures, and when it ruptures, within a matter of seconds, they go from 10% blockage to 100% blockage and fall down, they have a heart attack, sudden cardiac death, sudden vascular catastrophe. So how many of these plaques do people that are looking at having heart problems, how many of these do they have normally? Is it just several, or what kind of numbers are you looking well, at? Well, that's actually a very good question, because what we have always thought that these plaques were kind of uncommon and that, you know, most people say, well, I don't have a plaque. As it turns out, we know from many different studies that this is a disease that starts in childhood. There was a study called the Bogalusa Heart Trial, which showed that even children five, six, seven years old had the earliest signs of atherosclerosis, namely fatty streaks. And then as we get into our teenage years and our 20s and beyond, most Americans have these atherosclerotic plaques. And it's from living the good old American lifestyle with our toxic American diet, our lack of exercise, our smoking, our highly stressed society. All of these contribute to buildup of plaque. And as a result, I would say the overwhelming majority of Americans are walking around today with varying degrees of atherosclerotic plaque within their arteries. The reason why some people have a rupture of the plaque and end up dropping dead from a heart attack or having heart attacks, stroke, and other people don't, in large part has to do with how highly inflamed these plaques are. Okay, so is there hope for people like me that grew up on a very well-rounded diet as a child of kind of like Fruit Loops, Twinkies, top it off with some ice cream? Is there hope for those of us that have switched over and changed their diet? Well, that's right. I mean, you're defining the typical American diet. I won't say it wasn't fun. Well, a lot of people think the essential food groups are pizza, ice cream, and hot dogs. What we understand is that, and here's the good news, that this is reversible. And the number one killer in this country, cardiovascular disease, is in many respects a preventable disease. And we know the tools how to prevent it. In my book, The Great American Heart Hoax, I talk about why we've missed the boat. And part two of the book is the solution, my 10-step approach on how you can right the ship, on how you could quell the fires of inflammation, how you could have these plaques reversed. 
and largely prevent your chances of ending up with a heart attack, with a stroke, with these devastating conditions that take people often in the prime of their lives. So, Dr. Osner, I'd like to talk about the Osner 10-step prevention plan because we thought that was just brilliant. It really laid out for people things to look for and ways to improve your heart health. So would you mind talking just a little bit about your 10-step prevention plan for people? Well, I'd love to. I mean, you know, it starts with step number one, which is probably one of the most important steps, and that's nutrition. Years ago, I became intrigued with all of the data that was coming in on the Mediterranean diet, data from all over the world, including America, which basically has shown study after study that the Mediterranean-style diet can significantly lower your risk of a heart attack, of a stroke, of having high blood pressure. It could lower your risk of developing diabetes. It could lower your risk of Alzheimer's disease, of Parkinson's disease, and a whole host of other disease states, including cancer. Now, how can that be? How can one dietary approach do all these wonderful things? It's because the Mediterranean diet is not highly processed. It does not contain processed foods. And a lot of the processing that we put in food supply, like trans fats, like refined sugar, like sodium, ratchets up inflammation, ratchets up oxidative stress. And this really wrecks havoc throughout our body, creates millions and millions of what we call free radicals, Free radicals are these unstable molecules that go around zapping DNA, increases in our risk of cancer, oxidizing our bad cholesterol, leading to heart disease. And we know that the antidote to these free radicals are antioxidants. They neutralize free radicals. And where do antioxidants come from? They come from a wide variety of fruits and vegetables of all different color. And so it's very clear that our best approach to prevention of not only cardiovascular disease, but a wide variety of disease states, is to supply our body with a wealth of fruits and vegetables of all different color, as well as avoid processing that includes partially hydrogenated oils, refined sugar like high fructose corn syrup, sodium, and a whole host of different other ingredients that goes into the American food supply. Let's talk about those fats a little bit, because that, I think, is very confusing to people. A lot of our labels say zero trans fats, when indeed they actually do have trans fats. And I know I've been confused about which oil is okay to eat. Can you kind of go into that? I will. That's a good question. And I say that our government has let us down in this regard. The country of Denmark has banned trans fats years ago. And the food minister said we put public interest above industry interest. We haven't done that in this country. We've bowed to a lot of lobbying efforts by the food industry. And, you know, as it relates to trans fats, finally, about a year ago, the food industry was forced to put trans fats on the label, but they did a side run, an end run, if you will, because they allowed the food industry to put zero trans fats and still have up to 500 milligrams of trans fats per serving. And what are the problems with trans fats? Well, (laughs) the problems is it increases your bad cholesterol, it lowers your good cholesterol, it makes your platelets more sticky, it increases other atherogenic particles like lipoprotein little a, which are highly atherogenic and can cause heart attacks. And guess what? It ratchets up inflammation. So trans fats are not your friend. 
and they are toxic. I say eating a diet that is filled with trans fats is like taking your gasoline-powered car and putting diesel fuel in it. Your gasoline-powered car is not designed to run on diesel fuel, and if you did that, see how far your car would run before it cocked out. That's what we're doing to our body. For more interviews with the world's top health and medical experts, go to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. And are they only found in processed foods, or where are they? Yes, for the most part, trans fats are fats that we've created by hydrogenating oils and vegetable oil and creating partially hydrogenated oil. And clearly, they're in a lot of food products. They're in most cookies. They're in margarine. They're in cake mixes. They're in roughly half of the food that you buy in supermarkets. And I think that the American consumer has to become a sleuth because if our government isn't going to protect us, we have to protect ourselves and our families by reading nutritional labels. And when you read the nutritional label and you see partially hydrogenated oils listed, don't buy the product. Well, and I think it's fair to mention, too, that some of the problem with these highly processed, fat-laden foods, it took me about three years to actually change my eating habits because I was drawn to those. I had had a lifetime of eating very heavily fat foods. Well, the worst part about this is that it is not essential. I've always said I could make an apple pie two ways. I could make an apple pie laced with trans fats and laced with ingredients that aren't good for you that will definitely lead to ill health. Or I can make an apple pie that's absolutely delicious, that absolutely has none of these ingredients, that you would be able to distinguish the two if you sat down and ate both apple pies. So why would we want to put something in our food supply that is going to lead to premature death? It increases our risk of not only heart disease but cancer. There's no reason for it. Before the Great American Heart Hoax, I got so interested in this whole arena of nutrition and how nutritional science has really come a long way. And we know that putting patients on a Mediterranean diet absolutely can significantly improve their health. And I wrote the Miami Mediterranean Diet a couple of years ago, and I've been utilizing this before I ever wrote the Miami Mediterranean Diet, which is basically the Mediterranean diet. The reason I call it Miami Mediterranean Diet is because I'm from Miami, and I've included updates in nutritional science as they've come along over the years. And the fact of the matter is that we understand today that the American public certainly takes too many medications. They're over-medicated. It's not uncommon to see patients with high blood pressure, diabetes, and high cholesterol dump out 20 prescription pills onto the table. And, you know, we clearly have a better approach. And I'm not saying medicines aren't good. Clearly, some patients need to take medications to control their cholesterol, for instance. But remember one thing. There's no such thing as any cholesterol-lowering medicine, including the most powerful stat, that is a substitute for a healthy lifestyle. I say where we have missed our way is that often we go to the doctor and we're given very powerful statin medications and other types of medications, and nobody even mentions the power of lifestyle intervention, including a healthy diet. That should be first and foremost. And then if you don't get to gold despite a healthy diet and lifestyle, then fine, then medications are fine, but I can guarantee you you will be on fewer medications 
if you, in fact, even have to be on medication by following a Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. Right. And we have a bill in California right now that's addressing that very topic. They're hoping doctors will give out health nutrition information to people. Well, I think it's essential. The seven country study performed by Dr. Tansel Keyes years ago showed that if you were a middle-aged man following a Mediterranean diet living on the island of Crete, you had a 90% less likelihood of dying prematurely from a heart attack compared to your middle-aged American counterpart, which prompted Dr. Keyes to say, if some countries can do without heart attacks, why can't we? And I believe that study after study, the Leon Heart Trial, showed a 70% reduction in mortality in those randomized to a Mediterranean diet versus an American diet. And I think that the data and the handwriting is on the wall. We really have, I think, in many respects, misled the American public giving them more and more medications, putting in more and more stents, doing more and more bypass operations, when in fact we know that diet and lifestyle intervention, along with prudent use of medication, is really the appropriate way to go. And why aren't more doctors helping their patients with lifestyle changes rather than just prescribing? Let's understand that it takes a lot less time to scribble a medication on a prescription pad or send a patient off for center bypass and to talk to patients about the importance of diet, exercise, stress management, smoking cessation, and all the things that we know really count. That takes time. And unfortunately, the way our healthcare delivery system is set up in America, doctors aren't rewarded for spending time with their patients. They're rewarded by doing procedures. I think that if I was in charge, I would do flip-flop of our entire system. I would reward doctors for spending time with the patients and extend teaching them how to stay healthy and keeping them out of the hospital rather than rewarding them to do procedures. You know, remember what the word doctor means. As I lecture across the country, I often ask doctors who have been in practice for many years, what does the word doctor mean? And often they don't know. The word doctor means teacher. And I think that we should get back to what we should be doing as doctors, and that's teaching patients how to live healthy teaching patients the importance of a prevention approach. You know, it's the old saying, is it better to buy somebody a fish or teach them how to fish? We know that by teaching patients, whether it's counseling patients in our office, giving them books that they can read about nutrition, about exercise, and the like, is really, I think, where we're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. Let's reserve these very expensive and risky procedures like bypass surgery and spent for those who truly need it. Those are unstable individuals in the throes of a heart attack or disabling severe chest pain despite everything that we could throw at them or patients clearly who, for whatever reason, are unstable and require them. I say for the vast majority of stable folks who happen to have a blockage in their arteries, we have a better approach. And that's the approach that I've outlined in the Great American Heart Hoax. And I think that approach is one that we should be instituting in this country. Dr. Osner, how do you deal with patient resistance to things like lifestyle changes? I know I have relatives that, you know, you mentioned that to them and they go, oh, you know, I tried that and I went to a different doctor because I just wanted a pill. You're listening to an interview on Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Well, I think that as I go around the country, I'm often told by doctors that I don't really waste my time talking about lifestyle intervention because people aren't going to follow it anyway. My experience is that the vast majority of men and women throughout the United States want to live a healthy life. They want their children to live a healthy life. And they understand that if they can do this, 
A lot of people are confused. They want credible information. And really what I have found is that if you give somebody, for instance, a diet that is delicious, is easy to prepare, is inexpensive, they'll follow it. So I would often, as patients would come in as it relates to the Miami Mediterranean diet, I'd put the book down. I'd say, here, try this book, the recipes in this book for two months. And I'd joke, I'd throw a dollar down on the book and I'd say, well, you and I are going to have a bet. And you come back after two months and you tell me that what you were eating before tastes better, less expensive, was easier to prepare, then you win the dollar. Otherwise, I win the dollar. And I haven't lost too many dollars over the years. People love food if it's delicious, if it's certainly easy on the wallet, if the ingredients could be found anywhere, if it's easy to prepare. This is what we should be doing for health. We should be teaching people how easy it is to prepare delicious food that's healthy for you. Most people embrace this. They say, not only am I spending less money on food, but actually even my kids like it. I'll give you a perfect example. You know, we have a major obesity epidemic in children today and an epidemic of type 2 diabetes in children because of the obesity epidemic. And clearly they're eating all of this processed food. They're not exercising. Well, I say that as an example, pizza. Pizza, which has been around for thousands of years, is one of the healthiest things you can eat. But not necessarily the pizza that you get by calling one of the pizza stores because of those pizza, the pizza dough and the ingredients are highly processed. And I say make the pizza yourself at home. Use whole grain, whole wheat pita bread or a whole grain wrap. Put some tomato sauce, some low-fat or fat-free mozzarella, some garlic, some onions, some salmon, whatever floats your boat. And you've got something that's not only delicious, the whole family will eat it and it's healthy for you. And there are many, many examples of this that I could cite. And I think that the bottom line is we should spend time teaching people. There is no thing such as, oh, don't worry about it. Just abuse your lifestyle and I'll fix you with a stent or I'll fix you with a bypass operation or I'll fix you with a pill. It doesn't work that way. And Dr. Osner, you're having success helping people make these changes. So what are you doing differently from the average doctor? It sounds like you're giving people really specific, concrete tools and information. I do. You know, to be honest with you, I started this many years ago. Before I wrote a book, I typed up about 30 or 40 pages of what I felt constituted a healthy Mediterranean-style diet, and I would hand it out to the patients. And it was my patients that said, wow, this is so great, you got to write a book, which I did and this has been time-tested. And basically, I think that the difference is that a lot of these earlier diets, a lot of them are fad diets. We've had the low-carb craze. Well, people can't just walk around all day long eating a lot of saturated fat and just take the bun away but eat the Big Mac with the cheese. And I think that we've gone overboard with these diets that really have not been tested in the scientific community. Remember, anything that's recommended, whether it be medication, whether it be surgery, whether it be diet, should have what we call evidence-based medicine behind it. We should have randomized controlled clinical trials to show that this particular eating pattern will help you live a long life with fewer heart attacks, fewer cancers, and right on down the line. And that's what the Mediterranean diet has done. These other diets have not. And I think that in addition to that, the added benefit is that it's delicious. I mean, you know, it wouldn't have been around for 7,000 years if it didn't taste good. And I think that when people start eating whole grains, when they start eating nuts, which are one of the healthiest things that we could eat, almonds and walnuts, you could spice it up, put some ground cinnamon on it, cold water fish like salmon and mackerel and trout and tuna, beans. We 
know that low-fat dairy products, extra virgin olive oil in moderation. We don't recommend that people pour olive oil all over their food, but the operative word is drizzle olive oil on their food to replace butter and margarine. This is a healthy eating pattern, and if they like to have a good steak once in a while, I tell patients, you know, a couple times a month, go out to your favorite steak restaurant, but don't do what the typical American does. Wake up in the morning and have bacon or sausage for breakfast. Well over 90% of my patients who I put on the diet clearly sticks with this long-term and has done very well, not only in terms of weight control, but in terms of long-term health. For your other 10-step solutions, you mentioned exercising and managing stress. How are those things related? Well, they're related in a big way. I think that 90% of Americans are sedentary. They're unfit. We know they wake up in the morning, they eat a big breakfast, they drive to work, they work in a sedentary job, they come home, eat a big dinner, and flop down in front of the TV set with a bag of potato chips and a Coca-Cola. Well, that's not healthy for you. You know, we were designed as hunter-gatherers to be moving, to be exercising. I once put on an entire conference for physicians on the cardiovascular benefits of exercise. One of the things that I could tell you that exercise does, it helps the lining of the artery walls, which we call the endothelium, produce a substance called nitric oxide, which is a very, very important substance that helps keep our arteries dilated and open, along with many other benefits. It raises our good cholesterol. It makes our cardiovascular system more efficient. I think the bottom line is that what we need to do in America, as we see it, is rising obesity epidemic and rising heart disease epidemic, is we really need to get people moving. Now, the confusion is people think that they have to be jogging down the street or join a gym or do extreme forms of exercise. They don't have to do that. Simply walking 30 to 45 minutes a day, walking at your own pace is going to get people from the unfit category to the mildly fit category. And that's where we're going to achieve the majority of benefit in this country, not to make people super athletes so they can run in the Boston Marathon. And I think that the people understand how easy it is to get that 30 minutes a day. In fact, I often tell people, I want you to watch at least 30 minutes of television every day. Watch the nightly news. Watch your favorite sitcom. But... As you're watching that 30 minutes of TV, I want you off the couch and I want you walking in place on the carpet. Swing your arms. It's free. You don't even need a pair of walking shoes. doesn't matter if it's snowing outside or if it's 100 degrees outside. Anybody could do that. We have data to show that that will significantly extend your life. That will significantly reduce your risk of heart disease, of osteoporosis, of cancer, and a whole host of other disease states. We need to get America moving. You know, for those that are interested, you could also get a pedometer and clip it to your belt and make sure you're getting the 10,000 steps a day. Whatever it is, if you enjoy bike riding, swimming, you know, it's the old commercial, just do it. We need to get America moving. As far as stress management is concerned, stress is the forgotten risk factor. You know, I could tell you how many times I've gone to cardiovascular meetings and they talk about all of these risk factors such as cholesterol, such as LP little a, such as literally hypertension, diabetes, but very few times will you ever see stress listed. I think that's a mistake. I think it's one of the most important risk factors. And we understand the mechanism by which stress leads to heart disease. We understand that people that are under chronic stress, and remember, stress can be people that are anxious, people that are depressed, people that are hostile, that are angry, people who fortunately have social isolation, they're living alone. 
there's a lot of different stressful stimuli that really turns on our sympathetic nervous system and we get an outpouring of adrenaline, what we call catecholamine. Well, this excessive amount of adrenaline raises your blood pressure, causes your arteries to constrict, makes your platelets more sticky, you're more likely to clot, does a whole host of things that are deleterious to your vascular health. In addition, it stimulates your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, leading to an outpouring of glucocorticoids, the steroids, which can raise your blood sugar, lead to what we term atherogenic dyslipidemia, again, increase platelet number, making you more likely to clot, and the two of those things lead to a significant uptick in your risk of heart attack, stroke, and cardiovascular events. Now, how do you correct stress? I talk about in my book, The Great American Heart Hoax, the easy ways to counteract stress, from yoga to meditation to self-hypnosis to prayer to what Dr. Herb Benson talked about from Boston years ago, the relaxation response. These are simple, easy things that people can institute in their lives to lower stress, to lower cardiovascular events. We know it's very interesting, about a year ago, there was an article in one of our prestigious medical journals that looked for people that take a brief midday nap every day, which is done routinely in the Mediterranean regions of the world, the old siesta. We're talking about 20 minutes, 30 minute nap, even 15 minutes will do, where people will relax in the mid part of the day. And it was shown that people that do that on a regular basis lower their risk of death from heart disease by 37%. Wow, that's better than we get with our most powerful statin. And yet nobody's talking about that. I think stress is truly one of the important cardiovascular risk factors. Then I talk in the Great American Heart Oaks as far as the stepwise approach. Another step is how to lower your cholesterol. You know, we don't need to bombard our bodies with five different medications to lower cholesterol unless we got a rare genetic cause of cholesterol elevation. I think for the vast majority of people, there is a natural way to lower your cholesterol with diet, with exercise, and the things that I'm talking about. You know, if somebody who is not able to achieve cholesterol control despite that, then yeah, then medications would be appropriate. But clearly, I feel that we underutilize lifestyle changes and nutrition because that really is very successful. I've lowered cholesterol by 30, 40% with diet, and we're not counseling patients on how best to do that. I talk about that. I give concrete examples of the types of foods that can really rocket your cholesterol down. And also with blood pressure. We know that there are natural ways of lowering blood pressure. And I talk about the foods that will do that. You know, it's fascinating simply by changing the type of salt that we use. I talk about taking out sodium and putting other ingredients in the salt shaker that taste even better than table salt and will lower your blood pressure instead of sodium, which raises blood pressure. I talk about things like pomegranate juice that has a natural ACE inhibitor. This is a medicine that is often prescribed for blood pressure lowering. And you know, there's a whole host of things that we could do to lower blood pressure. And then I get into the diabetes epidemic and what we call metabolic syndrome. And I talk about easy ways to reduce your risk of developing diabetes. And I must throw this in because an article about one year ago came out in the British Medical Journal out of Spain that took 14,000 Spaniards and randomized them either to diet as usual or a Mediterranean diet. Those that followed the Mediterranean diet had an 80 3% reduction in their risk of developing type 2 diabetes. 
And I think that's amazing. And we also know that with relates to metabolic syndrome, people with a big belly and with impaired fasting glucose, that the study out of Italy showed that a Mediterranean diet will reverse metabolic syndrome, literally reverse it in the first year in over half the people who have metabolic syndrome. So we talk about that. And then we talk about inflammation and how can you lower inflammation? Well, first and foremost, a lot of it has to do with nutrition, all the things that I've been talking about. Cold water fish, as an example, brings omega-3 fat to the table, and omega-3 fat lowers inflammation. Other sources of omega-3, such as walnuts, flaxseed, canola oil, lowers inflammation. But we also know that there are many other things that lower inflammation that we should be doing on a regular basis. perfect example is taking good care of our oral hygiene, our teeth. We know that the average American brushes their teeth once or twice a day, but they should be flossing their teeth a couple times a day. That significantly cuts down on plaque buildup. It significantly cuts down on the risk of developing periodontal disease. And chronic low-grade periodontal disease leads to a state of chronic low-grade inflammation that increases a person's risk of heart attack, of stroke, of all kinds of diseases. So flossing and seeing your dentist on a regular basis for a routine cleaning becomes very important. I talk about these issues. And then I talk about the blood test that can save your life. You know, I find it to be amazing that we will do just routine blood tests, total cholesterol, the good, the bad, and triglycerides. But I talk about three additional tests that can save your life. We can measure vascular inflammation. We can measure these other tests very inexpensively. And you need to know what your numbers are. And the doctor needs to have the correct numbers to be able to act on. And I think that these are the ways that we should be moving in America, not just proceeding in a blinded fashion of just putting in more and more stents, doing more and more bypass operations, thinking that this is going to be the fix for people with cardiovascular disease and atherosclerosis, our number one killer. It's not the fix. And in unstable patients who, unfortunately, in the throes of a heart attack who need a stent or whatever, they too should be counseled that to prevent future episodes, clearly they need to follow this lifestyle approach. And I think that whether people have risk factors for heart disease and want to prevent it, or people who already have had cardiovascular events and want to prevent future episodes, this is what we should be doing in the United States. So if you want to save your life, pick up a copy of Dr. Michael Osner's The Great American Heart Hoax, an amazing book that has very reader-friendly information on how to avoid heart disease and create a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Osner, I know people are going to want more information. Where can they go to find more information about the Mediterranean diet and your work? Well, yes, I have created a website, and it's www.drosner.com, and that's D-R-O-Z-N-E-R, drosner.com. On that website, there's a lot of information that is perfectly free. You can download a lot of these articles that I've written. You can watch videos that I've made that discuss heart disease prevention. And you can also sign up for a free newsletter where I talk about heart disease prevention and things that are of current interest. And clearly, delighted to offer this to the American public, again, for free. And it's Dr. Osner, D-R-O-Z-N-E-R dot com. I also put on seminars around the country for physicians as well as for the lay public. And I hope that this helps to get the word out that we have a new way and a better way of preventing heart disease and a lot of other disease states so we can live long, happy, and heart-healthy lives. 
Well, thank you so much, Dr. Osner. And for our listeners, if you want to find out more about Dr. Osner's work, or if you want to find out more about his book, The Great American Heart Hoax, life-saving advice your doctor should tell you about, heart disease prevention, but probably never will, you can go to www.dr.osner.com. That's the end of our interview, and I hope you've enjoyed it. For more great health-related interviews, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com.